Good evening, Cabian. Thanks for tuning in tonight to the Pod of the West Wind with your host, Matt Gallinson. We've got some brand new guests tonight, goofy chat to bring that Cabian spirit to your own home. Now, this evening, we have a great honor, perhaps the longest running member of the Cabian community, nay, certainly the longest running member of the Cabian community. You know him from Croquet, Cabian history, which I hope everyone has gone down to. And he's here to talk about a crazy story involving a Volkswagen and the crib, but we'll get to that later. Bill, how are you? Very well, thank you. Living here comfortably on Beacon Hill, which we are all very Oh, indeed, indeed. No, so Bill, I had a really important question for you, and that was, I want to know, of croquet or Cabian history, which one do you enjoy more? That's not fair. I enjoy both. Okay, okay. I was really surprised, because I love croquet, but I was surprised how many campers reported that they loved Cabian history. The f- game, mm. in my rainy day activity. Yeah, I guess no one wants to play, play croquet in the mud, huh? No, we don't do that. <laughs> no, a whole new definition of sticky wicket there, it sounds like. I remember coming down uh, as a camper to Cabian history, um, and I was, I was very much a run around and kind of, uh, you know, get dirty kind of camper. But, but um, the, the, the times that I spent learning about history, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, I, I would recommend it to any camper. I think it's one of the most important and one of the most unique activities that we offer. I was going to say, I like when um, Cabian history can tie into general American history. It's really interesting to kind of look how that interacted, you know. Um, and of course, like you have the hippie era just coming to an end when the 70s start and just imagining what the counselors like my age would start to look like during the 60s and 70s as opposed to the 50s. It's so interesting. Look like and behave. <laughs> we won't talk uh, and when you were a camper, were you always were you always caught hanging around one activity, or were you more of an all around kind of camper? No, I was more all around. I did lots of sailing. I did a lot of canoeing. Okay, what was your sailing rating? And I, I might would ask. Very, I was a wharf rat. Oh, very cool. I, you know, I love that name, and I really wish we still did that. I've never been a camper while that was still a ranking. I think. I did a lot of riflery, and I actually was very good. Mm, cool. Yeah. Riflery is something that I, I would love to see the campers of today take up, I think. And that's not, that's not saying anything about it. I just think imagining what I've known camp to be and then putting, putting, rifle, putting a rifle range back in there, it would be interesting to say the least, no? <laughs> oh, it was one of the most popular activities right up until we stopped it. And one thing that I miss and I don't know if we can reconstruct it or not, is the circus, which we always had in, in August. And it was <laughs> every cabin got together with a booth huh. and, and a challenge. Huh. The always had the, um, the Las Vegas. The, the, slot, the Eagles had the and, slot machines. That was there. That was there. <laughs> and we, had, we issued Cabian money, which were called Cabies. Okay. It was an incredible group effort, and I miss it. What a fun all-camp activity. We should absolutely bring that back. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I missed this year when we go around and we do the, the, the five-year club, and everyone goes around, and at the oh, end, yeah. you say your crazy large number, and every year I wait for it to see what, what, 
can you remind me again exactly how many years is it for you this well, year? Well, if it were this year, which <laughs> I don't know if it can be counted because I have always relied on the active years. Mm-hmm. And those are camper, counselor, assistant director, and croquet, blah, blah. So this would have been the 43rd. The 43rd. My, my. That is, that's really something. So you, 77, if, if I'm not mistaken? No, you see, I'm talking active years. Oh, yes. So there's gaps in between there, there aren't there? Any years which I did not attend. Ah, uh, okay. They okay. visited the big time during, during the 1970s where uh-huh. I was not active at all. I visited every year because I visited John Porter. Okay, okay. And you would visit, and you would visit most of the times even if, if you weren't necessarily participating in the session. Mm. So, so my first year as a camper was 1954. Wow. And if you added that up to being active years, you know oh. it's there. <laughs> but that's not true. So this is the year where everyone's number stays the same, except yeah. Ken. Can Ken get another number? Can we get another number for Ken? He is working he's very working. hard over there. He's working extremely hard. <laughs> Absolutely. That's okay. An active year for Ken. So, but. Bill. I, so I've heard I've heard snippets of this story, and for all our camper listeners, um, camp used to be more of a pranky place. It appears, um, and it I've I've been I've been doing some some research with Bill and with um, some of his his contemporaries on exactly what kind of what kind of crazy shenanigans went on, and uh, Bill. Do you think you could speak a little bit to the prank, to the to the to the rise and fall of pranks at camp? What do you what, what do you attribute to that? What do you think about that? Well, for some reason, John Porter seemed to find it very amusing. Mm. He could be critical, but he found it amusing, and he never stopped it. Okay. I know that you want to know about the number one prank, which is absolutely the number one. Oh, it's please do tell. Car, which was a Volkswagen Bug. Uh, the VW Bug was put on the crib, and I'm not sure of the exact year. I know I was a camper in the upper camp, so I could have been a fox or a beaver. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and as wonderful, fun, naive campers on our way to assembly that morning, we noticed the lower camp and lots of other people standing down on the swim dock, staring out. <laughs> and what were they staring at? They were staring at this Volkswagen bug sitting on the crib. That's absurd. How did, how did they do that? Well, the standing department at that time mm-hmm. contained, I know, four people who were brilliant engineers. Okay. And they were all capable of replacing the car financially, if necessary. Okay. Okay. I'm so catching your drift. taking a big risk. <laughs> mm. I have talked with them. Um, the clever thing is that these guys who did it, they were brilliant. Mm. And they did it with planks on rowboats. Huh. And they did it at night. Wow. They, you're telling me they rowed over a VW bug on planks between the rowboats? Are you talking about like, a, like crosswise? Yes. Wow, that is, wow, that's very impressive. It it almost makes me, it almost makes me, you know, I don't know. So what, so what do you think about, do you think that prank, we talk a lot about like when someone plays a joke 
there's a couple things I would say that need to be there for it to be a successful joke, right? And I think one of the things for the most part would be no one specifically is targeted, right? There's no physical danger. There's nothing to, there's nothing that will make one person feel either like they're in jeopardy, either physically or mentally. Um, and the fact that it's fun for everyone. So I'm wondering, that's what kind of, kind of what the themes we're trying to think about with like, what makes a good prank a prank? And what do you think about that? Do you think those, that follows those criteria? Yes, it does, but there was a big risk. Oh, Bill, okay, so hold on a second, because I didn't tell you about this. We actually have a really grand surprise right now. I've gotten in touch with Carl Metzger and Jim Camerlin, who maybe our camper listeners might not know who they are, but they were past campers in the 70s, past counselors in the 80s, past board members in the 90s, and they have got some crazy prank stories that I'm sure will just fit perfectly with our conversation right now. So hi, guys. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Hey, great. And hello, Bill. It's great to have you guys here. Um, so actually, yeah, like some background. I, I got in touch with um, Laura, and um, she mentioned that you guys had a crazy story that involved shoes or something. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about, about that? Uh, well, okay, I'll start <laughs> off with a, a little background about the, um, the situation in 1976. Uh, there were two mountain trips counselors mark mills and peter rowan that had some knowledge and maybe even prior participation in a thing called the owls outpost so they asked the director nick latham if they could do it again in 1976 and he said yeah if you get the campers uh we'll do it and um so we lived outside of regular camp in um in a spot just inside the um camp property near the camp gate on the entry road and we had our own toilet house and we had three tent platforms <laughs> and uh we just did hiking trips all the time uh, wow. we weren't really doing anything else and we would show up in camp on sunday to take our shower and eat the sunny meal and then we would disappear <laughs> again into the woods that sounds awesome <laughs> Yeah, it really was the, the precursor to the Bears program. I, I was going to mention um, that. It sounds like that. Yeah, and it, it was, you know, if, if you were interested in hiking, it was a chance to just have a very intensive summer of uh, being in the mountains all the time. And Mark Mills, whose nickname was Moose, and Pete Rowan were legendary trips counselors. So the idea of, um, of spending the summer backpacking with them as a young camper was kind of like going off into the wild on a grand adventure. The prank we're going to focus on is when we took all the shoes in camp and fundamental to this story is the fact that we had a designated vehicle, which was a 1962 VW bus and Moose was a great driver of that bus. Um, Peter, I don't think was 18, so he wasn't driving at all as far as campers were concerned. And um, they hatched this plan uh, that we were just gonna raid the whole camp in one night. So they um, got us all up uh, a little bit after midnight. And um, we, I was reluctant to go. I thought it was a dumb idea and that we were gonna get caught. But um, I was 
goaded into going by both counselors and other willing campers, Danny Workman specifically, and I'll read the, uh, the list, but we had the two groups of campers, the big guys and the little guys. The big guys were me, Bruce Lessels, and Jay Considine, and then Carl was in the little guys, Hogan, with Danny Workman, Craig Biddle, and uh, Dan Holiday. And um, we piled into the VW bus with our pillowcases and went down there to the camp not knowing what to expect. Carl, take us and we, uh, <laughs> Well, I remember we coasted into camp with the engine off and the lights off in stealth mode. And uh, Moose and Pete, our counselors, had devised a plan where we uh, were divided up and we would crawl into a cabin, literally on your hands and knees, going into each area as quietly as you could, stealing mm-hmm. everybody's shoes, putting them in, in your pillowcase, and then uh, sneaking out of the cabin again, dumping all of those shoes in piles in the assembly ground. That was, that was the master plan. Oh wow! And 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 can I? Ask, how how did anyone wake up? How how were you guys so stealthy? Well, plenty of people. There was were. a lot of giggling. Yeah, there was a lot of <laughs> giggling involved. So I, I don't think uh, we succeeded entirely. There was one counselor um, in the uh, lion's cabin who I apparently woke up. A guy named uh, George Middleton, otherwise known as Crazy George, and. Um, he saw me crawling in his area and said, what are you doing? And I said, we're stealing the camp shoes. And he, without missing a beat, said, fine, but you can't take mine. And I, I thought that was a pretty fair trade. So I, I you know, quietly crawled out of his area and uh, he let me go and steal the rest of the shoes from his cabin. And, Kept moving on. Jim, I think you were in that cabin too, weren't you? Yeah. Didn't we hit that one together? <laughs> yeah, you were on one side and I was on the other. And I was on David Hyde Pierce's side. And he was wide awake as well and established the same rule that if we weren't taking his shoes, I mean, he had some nice shoes. Mm. I, I really, I really <laughs> wanted to grab those. <laughs> and so but, in the uh, morning, in the morning, what, what happened? Well, well, we, we were, were not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually, I, sadly, we missed that moment. But um, we had gone back to the Al's outpost, which, as Jim mentioned, was, you know, a good ways away from the assembly grounds. But um, from the stories we heard, it really worked well. I mean, very few people <laughs> woke up, so they were surprised to find they didn't have any shoes and everyone wandered to the assembly grounds barefoot or in socks. (laughs) The problem was, you know, back in those days in 76, there were about three different brands of sneakers that people would buy. (laughs) So like if you had like a size eight pair of Keds, you and half the camp had that same pair of shoes. (laughs) So apparently it it took quite a while for people to sort out whose were their shoes. And there were some complaints that people never did entirely. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we... (laughs) We thought we were being smart by putting the shoes in separate cabin piles, but it never dawned on us that we ought to label which pile was which cabin. 
So, you know, there were shoes literally flying around from what I heard that, you know, everybody was quite frustrated. <laughs> and it was just, and you know, Nick was not happy about the whole ordeal <laughs> having assembly take about 45 minutes. Um, so, yeah, that, it, as, as lighthearted as, as we were at the beginning, we, we had a little sobering up after we realized that, a lot of people went home with the wrong shoes. <laughs> yeah. but, but I will say, I mean, one nice thing about the, the prank was no one felt targeted by it. And, and the whole camp did feel actually, I think at the end of the day, that it was very funny. And, um, so, um, you know, so it's interesting that you bring that up, Carl, me and Bill were actually just talking about this. Um, and I think it's, I think it's something very important for people to realize is that pranks can be very, very fun. Right. But there's some, some real boundary lines that I don't think it's okay to cross. And I think pranks at the at the heart of them are, are quite fun and they're very they're very goodwilled a lot of the times. And I think as long as everyone is in the mindset to keep it that way and doesn't cross those lines that we were mentioning, that pranks can be a great, great addition to a summer. Yeah, I'll I'll say that, you know, I was officially at camper status, um, even though that was technically my CIT year. And so, you know, I knew right from wrong, wrong when we were stealing the shoes, but there was absolutely no sense that we were doing a bad thing. It was absolutely. all just so we were so swept up with the idea that we were uh, marauders and a cohesive team <laughs> and, you know, that our counselors loved us enough to include us with this fun. Mm-hmm. Carl, would you call yourself a marauder in, during that during that prank? <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the grounds that it may incriminate me, I, I think I will refuse to answer that question. But <laughs> I uh, no, I, I do think that's right, Jim. I think it was kind of a, a spirit where um, you know we knew that other campers would appreciate it as opposed to trying to do something uh, mean to other people and. You know, I think I think it was in that spirit of good fun. Um, so it, it actually was pretty well received, even though people were initially a little annoyed at not having their shoes. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Anyway, I, it was great to hear from you guys. And um, thanks for joining the conversation on Camp Pranks. I'm sure many people are going to have a lot to stew over after these stories. Um, and we really appreciate <laughs> you uh, popping by. Um, so, Bill, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> the good news is that this was an excellent conversation, and it was an excellent way for us to catch up, and I really appreciated seeing you. Um, and the bad news is that we are, unfortunately, out of time for this segment. Oh, on to the next. On to the next one. Oh, yes, indeed. So, all of this will be posted in the same place under Pod of the West Wind. Be sure to tune in for this one, new ones, all the ones we got coming down the pipe. And, Bill, we hope you listen as well. Um, and we hope you enjoy campers. Have a great evening. Thank you very much, Matt.